Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Galactic Republic, Confederacy of Independent Systems, and various mercenary factions vie for control of the galaxy in a seemingly never-ending conflict known as the Clone Wars. Caught in the middle of this epic struggle, the Jedi Knights strive to maintain order and civility in a deadly game that is being manipulated by the Dark Lords of the Sith. From the war-torn front lines, Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their dedicated team of analysts emerge as voices of truth and stability in these dark and deceptive times. Hello and welcome to the 111th episode of Frontlines The Clone Wars Podcast. For the episode, Secret Weapons, uh, 111-111, that's three ones, that's some sort of a landmark somewhere to somebody, I think. Is that, uh, I, that's real- I, I'm your host, Michael Cohen, <laughs> and with me, as always, my co-host, Matthew Cranky. Hey, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? <clears throat> good, good. Good. I almost wasn't able to make it tonight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because uh, I was supposed to have my, uh, my office Christmas party tonight but uh but it got postponed until next monday so i uh, see possibly maybe not here next monday but yeah we'll I sort it out we'll sort it out but but thankfully i am here to talk secret weapons yeah the first part in this i i'm guessing this is a four-part arc as far as yeah, I, I know think so. okay so yeah we had a we had a guest lined up because i i didn't um want to put everybody through another uh you know, solo effort by me. So we had somebody, um, we had somebody lined up. But hey, you're back, so that's cool. That's great. Um, but we got some things to talk about. A couple things in the news. So you ready to hit that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Welcome. I have been expecting you. This is just the beginning. This is where the fun begins. Join us or die. Our meeting was not a coincidence. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. <laughs> All right, Mike, you know, not a lot of, um, you know, blockbuster news coming out, but just a couple mm-hmm. of quick hits. Um, first one is uh, fans of the Legacy comic, which I uh, actually got the whole series. And I was a, I was a fan of that series. I, I thought it was pretty good. It looks like it's coming back in uh, March of next year. The only caveat is that it won't be uh, Dursima and Ostrander doing it. Mm. It's going to be um, two new people, at least new to me. I, I, have, I don't even have their names up at the second here. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have a Legacy come back. So anybody that is uh, a fan of that series, um, I guess you're in for good luck. And, you know, and we have that other comic coming out too, Mike, in uh, January. I think it's uh, 
It's just a new Star Wars one. Um, with original. Yeah, just Star Wars, <clears throat> just Star Wars ongoing. That's uh, right, right. That's kind of how you have to refer to it because it's just Star Wars, uh, and it's uh, <clears throat> uh, that is the proof that this that the whole Disney thing was in the works a while ago. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think that 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 series is going to be the, one of the first indicators that the EU that we know and love is no longer, <laughs> that it doesn't exist anymore. Because they're going to start telling stories in a time period where they've already told a lot of stories that are going to overlap with other stories and uh, and sort of rewrite other stories, I think. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's interesting that they're bringing Legacy back considering, I mean we're going seven eight and nine and uh man the 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 mythology of legacy is the the original trilogy Mm -hmm. right like that's sort of the uh the basis of everything right um i i know it's it's what it's a few hundred years in the future or whatever but i but still it's it just seems like a really odd choice to be bringing back legacy and if you're going to bring back legacy why wouldn't you bring back the creative team that made that what it was, mm-hmm. right? But uh, I, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Legacy myself. Uh, I've I've only read uh, the majority of the first volume, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not. I don't think that it's bad. I just don't like the direction that they took. I'm not, I'm not a fan of mm-hmm. the uh, the the way that they. I mean, you, you spend six movies building up the skywalkers you know having uh anakin fall and then the luke rise up and uh and then redeem his father uh and then you say oh well yeah in two generations time they've completely lost yeah they're just dismantled yeah the, yeah. Le- the legacy of of the skywalkers doing death like, sticks and everything. yeah 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 like it just I, I don't know to me that i that if you're going to get upset about EU stuff, for me, choices like that, uh, kind of, they're kind of a slap in the face of, of the classic characters in the original trilogy and the stuff that George Lucas has done. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I mean, I think I've talked about Legacy before. It, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't think it, like, I'm trying to qualify. I don't think it's bad. I have read the first volume. Mm-hmm. I think it's very well written. I just don't like the fact that Cade Skywalker is... Uh, Sort of, he's more of a Han Solo than he is a Luke Skywalker, and uh, mm-hmm. there's room for Han Solo in every Star Wars story, but uh, I don't think at the expense of Luke Skywalker. You know what I mean? Like it's sort mm-hmm. of. Yeah, it was definitely it was know. definitely a, a series where, it, like you said, it was it was wow. You know, you don't think the Skywalkers would be uh, would fall that that hard. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was. I mean, obviously Anakin did, but this was. You know, death sticks and and but I think they were on a path to where obviously they were trying to show how him coming to grips with uh, the name Skywalker and, and you know Luke made a couple appearances in, in ghost form, so you know it was yeah it was okay. Um, it's coming back and, and it's got new writers and new uh, new artists, so we'll see how it goes. I, and you know what? Here's another question: What's going to happen with 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 Dark Horse? I mean, they're they got to be done, right? This is all going to be transferring to to Marvel. I mean. Yeah, you know, the, they've said, uh, I, I think that the initial um, comment that they put out there when everything happened, when everything went down, was that they would, uh, 
finish out their contract and then see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me sounds a little bit more like, um, I guess when our contract's done, we're done. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Uh, I, I think it's pretty obvious. If you look at what happened with boom studios, uh, when, when Disney bought Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, boom studios was putting out three or four series. I mean, they had just launched, uh, Chippendale rescue Rangers, and uh, and I think they maybe got like the first six issues out, and uh, and then and then the plug was pulled. And it's not it's not that Boom was doing a bad job. They were they were doing some really cool comics. Uh, they were doing Darkwing Duck, uh, Ducktales, uh, um, and Dale, and I think that they were planning a Tailspin mm-hmm. uh, series. And, uh, and and they were and it was all selling really well and the comics themselves were really great great artists great writers uh, but I mean you just you're not gonna let one of your competitors run around with your characters right, right. like um, it just makes sense to to say no no uh, we're just gonna do this in house from now on with Marvel right, right. so uh, I, the the weird thing and I don't think this will happen with Star Wars because you can't really afford to to lose momentum with Star Wars. But uh, the weird thing is that I don't think that Marvel has picked up that slack since since they the, since Disney cut the deal with uh, uh, with Boom Studios. Like they, it's not like uh, there's a Darkwing Duck comic being published by Marvel now. There isn't. There's nothing coming out of them. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. We'll have to wait and see, but I think that it'll be a pretty quick transition if there is one. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I, th- I, I think it'll be the sort of thing where we're done this month, and then next month is the first Marvel Star Wars issue. Mm-hmm. Right? So. Yeah. Looking forward to the new Star Wars uh, comic, definitely, though. Uh, other yeah, stuff yeah. coming up. Uh, just a couple of other brief notes here. Uh, the Clone Wars nominated for four times in the two- 2012 Annie Awards, and they're no uh, strangers to the Annie Awards. Uh, a couple of notable mm-hmm. ones uh, would be Joel Aaron for his achievement in animated effects and animated production. And of course, this is the one that I'm hoping wins. Sam Witwer is nominated for voice acting in an animated television broadcast production. So that is really cool to see Sam Witwer recognized. Yeah. Um, still waiting to see when we're going to see uh, uh, James Arnold Taylor. But, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's it's ridiculous that he doesn't. Yeah. I, I don't know if he has any any uh, a, any awards, but uh, I don't think that he's ever won for Star Wars, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. that it's gone on this long. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's just so good that they just oh yeah, he's he's the greatest. Uh, animated effects in an animated production are also nominated in that category, yeah. and there's there's a couple. There's character animation, uh, and and a lot of these had to do they had, they pick a, a specific um episode to to highlight i guess and revenge and mm-hmm. uh revival were the two that uh they mm-hmm. they note as uh like jason this guy named jason tucker star wars the clone wars revival uh he was he yeah. was nominated for editorial in an animated television production so a lot of stuff coming from those uh great season finale in the uh with the darth maul returning so happy to see that and especially sam Whitworth. so Hopefully he gets an Annie Award. And the last thing, Mike, um, 
this is funny. This came out today, right? And this is how it is. Like we talked about, it just sometimes the rumors and and the speculation hits, and you read it on the internet, and you're like, oh wow, you read it one way, but then when you hear the particular actor, you're like, oh okay, that that didn't really say anything. And this is the case of this one, Hugh McGregor. He's been on. He's uh, has this new movie coming out called The Impossible, and him and Emily Watts were. Uh, promoting it, and this interviewer asked, uh, "Would you, uh, you know, how do you feel about uh, Obi Wan coming back? Would you want to do it?" And you know, this is the highlight. You know, Ewan McGregor wants to come back to Star Wars, but then when you yeah. listen to it, he goes, uh, and, he, and this is this is what he says in the video. I wish I could have played it for you, but I couldn't get it. He says, uh, "Oh, I guess, yeah. If they need me, yeah, I'd be happy. Uh, I know nothing about it other than what I've read on the internet." So you, when you hear him talk like that, Mike, you're like. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait a minute. Let's let's tone down on the uh, Ewan McGregor's coming back because all the internet sites and all the Star Wars sites pick it up like Ewan McGregor wants to come back. Well, yeah, of course he wants to come back. I mean, he's yeah. already said that before. But then when you listen to him, you're like, he's like, oh yeah, I guess, yeah, sure, I'd do it. You know, I, if I got nothing else going on, yeah, I'd, I'd come back and do it. So it's not it's yeah, not the yeah. big like, you, this is what I want to do. Please, George, let me come back. It's just like, yeah, if they call me, I'd do it. So yeah, <laughs> you have to take a lot of these with a grain of salt, you know. So, uh, well, it's just like so many of the episode seven rumors, where it's like one person says one yeah. sort of off the cuff comment, and everybody just takes it as, oh, that's confirmation that whatever is happening. And it's like, nah, I'm not so, not so much. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's funny how quickly these things spread because all it takes is one. Uh, outlet reporting it correctly so like the video being out there and then somebody seeing the video and then uh, writing up an article based on that and saying Ewan McGregor confirmed for episode 7 and then 6 other outlets will pick up that story and now all of a sudden it's being confirmed even though nobody's confirming it like they're confirming it by going back and watching the video it's like yeah I saw the video too it says yeah and it's like, um, actually, no, you guys are all just kind of making this up. He said if they want him, he'll do it. You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, and, and he said he said the day that it happened on, on his uh, on his Twitter, on his Twitter yeah, account, yeah. they they uh, if they if they need Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's happy to do it. He, he's there in a heartbeat. Right. right. Like he's he, uh, he's. I think he said uh, something along the lines of uh, hologram form, right? And uh, and uh, yeah, so so I mean he's all he's all for it, but uh, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be in it. It doesn't mean that that anything is happening yet. Right, right, right. Yeah, so. and it's funny too because in this interview, um, he's sitting next to Naomi Watts, and he asked to explain to her the recent uh, sale. You know, she she has no clue what they're talking about. I was like. Geez, where have you been? You know, you're a, like a movie star, and you didn't hear about this. It's kind of odd, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and Ewan too. I mean, he's one of the bright spots of of the. I guess the I want I want to say the acting, but through the whole prequel trilogy, he was the ones one of the ones that shined uh, throughout the whole trilogy. So him yeah. and Ian McDermott. So him coming back, you know, the fans love him. He seems to have had a, a pretty good relationship, and he hasn't really, uh, you know beat it down or anything so uh, it would be of course it'd be great to see him come back as the force goes yeah you know uh, yeah totally. totally so 
Uh, anything else going on though in the news? Um, no, I, really, I don't think yeah. so. I mean, we're I think, still waiting yeah, for the, the director, and I heard that it's supposed to come soon. According to this yeah. uh, Disney chairman, it's supposed to come fairly soon. It's going to come from Kathleen Kennedy. So uh, that's probably going to be the next bit of information is who is going to be directing. So yeah, and we'll probably get it pretty. Quick. Yeah, definitely. So uh, right, more than more than likely, we'll stop recording tonight, and they'll release a video. <laughs> yeah, it's that's usually uh, what happens. It, yeah. So. So the sooner we finish, the sooner everyone will know who the director of episode seven is. Yeah, with that, let's uh, head on over to the recap. Let's do it. Something is stirring in the underworld. Remember, there can only be two. You are our secret weapons. There are some citizens of the Republic who believe the Jedi Order is not what it used to be. We can help you reclaim Mandalore. Oh my, look at the time. Well, my work is done. You are a clone and a soldier in the Republic Army. I sense a deep anger in you. Everything that you fought so hard for will be destroyed. Anakin! Sometimes heroes fall, despite their strength. Onderon is out. All right, let me start us off with secret weapons. The Jedi Council has intercepted an encoded transmission of General Grievous. However, Republic intelligence officers have failed to crack the new encryption code being used by the droids. Fears escalate that the Separatists are about to mount a major offensive. Having located the source of the transmission deep in Separatist space, the Jedi planned a counter-strike to capture an enemy decoding chip, which will allow them to understand the transmission and thwart the Separatist plot. Mace Windu leads a tense briefing in the Jedi Temple War Room. Time is short, and the Republic needs a specialized team of droid infiltrators to capture a de de uh, decryption module from the heart of a Separatist dreadnought. The module is responsible for scrambling Separatist communications within the region. And Mike, this thing starts off with a blue logo. Uh, we've yeah. seen the red logo before uh, in the yeah. normal one, but this one, uh, I presume, it's for, for R2. But you know what's funny is like R2 was kind of played third fiddle in this particular episode. Yeah, he was kind of he was kind of background. I yeah, mean, yeah. Uh, when we'll get to it at, towards the end of the episode, yeah. he is of course the one who saves the day, right. and he's also the 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 voice of reason. Uh, but yeah, Wack is kind of uh, the center stage. Yeah, yeah, Wack's almost the hero of, of this first episode, at least, and we'll see we'll see where it goes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, interesting. We got we got introduced to a, a whole bunch of new characters. Oh yeah, in this yeah. one. So, yeah. um, but uh, but it, it mentions there at the beginning uh, that they're that they're worried that the uh, that the separatists are about to mount a major offensive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you think do you think maybe this is the offensive on Coruscant? The 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 battle that opens episode. Yeah, three? well, that's my initial Could, impression. Yeah, right. Yeah, because that's where I feel like this is like we're heading. Mm -hmm. um, if you if you think about it in the sense that possibly next season or the season after is is it, right. um, 
then I, you know, to me it seems like uh, where we're heading right now is towards a, a sort of a, a, a conclusion <laughs> of sorts. I, I really feel like like next season's probably it. The fact yeah. that we haven't heard anything like. When was the last time you heard about James Arnold Taylor or Ashley Eckstein or Matt Lanter going into the studio to record for Clone Wars? Because right. I have not seen their Twitter accounts, their Facebook no. pages, Quiet. anything no. like that. No. Post anything. And it's not that they're not working. I mean, Ashley Eckstein posted uh, a, a week or so ago that she was in recording something for Disney. Uh, and... and uh, um, who knows what that is? Maybe that, that's something for Star Wars Weekends, or maybe she's in in something else. I mean, Matt Lanter was recently in um, the the latest Tinkerbell movie, uh, so uh, so who knows what they've got her in there for, right? I mean, right. I, I, she's just like they're they're all talented voice actors, so they're working. But the last time I heard them say, "Oh, you know, going in for a voice recording session for Clone Wars." It, it was a while ago. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say definitely before celebration, if not before Star Wars weekends mm. this year, um, was the last time that I really remember hearing anything. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think I think I think we're we're drawing to uh, uh, drawing closer and closer to that episode three stuff. I mean, we know that we've got the. Uh, the the uh, eight or two uh, Jedi Starfighters coming later this season, right? So, I uh, so we're we're getting close, yeah. and I I think I think if like you just have to look at it that this season is a lot of distractions. People have kind of been complaining about it a little bit, but it's not really. Uh, we're not really dealing with the Clone Wars. I mean, this episode would probably be the closest thing that we've gotten. To actually dealing with the Clone Wars, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we haven't had a major Clone Wars offensive uh, in, in a long time, right? Uh, it's like last season was the last time we've been dealing with Darth Maul, we've been dealing with uh, uh, building militias on Onderon, we've been dealing with young Jedi, and now we're dealing with uh, droids, and uh, and we know that we're going to be dealing with Anakin and. Uh, and and rush Clovis and then uh, and then we've got Mandalorians, so really none of this has anything to do with the Clone Wars. Uh, it's all, all like very tertially uh, connected to to the actual Clone Wars. It's nothing like season one. So. Right. Well, you know. So I, uh, if you think about that, if we've if you if we're getting this close where they're infiltrating plans for that offensive now. I, by the end of next season, I think that we could be there. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I'm not, I wasn't a huge fan of this episode. There was a couple of things that I had issues with, but I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought that up about the, you know, is this getting close to the Coruscant episode three opening? And I and I was thinking that, and I'm thinking, well, maybe I don't know. It's not we're not quite there yet, but yeah, the way this is going, that could, that yeah. could be a huge clue. I mean, they're talking about a, a coded transmission from General Grievous, major offensive. Uh, and they can't, you know, they can't decode and all this. I mean, I, th- I think you're exactly right. I think we're heading straight for uh, episode three. So that's a, a good pickup. And I was, like I said, I wasn't sure. I was just like, could they be going there this this early? But I'm thinking, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought six would be the last season. So, so we'll see. But uh, and, and of course, this episode kind of showed the comedic side of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't. Uh, 
you know, I, this is going to be a four-parter. So I'm like, wow, how is how are they going to make these droids? You know, how are we going to last four episodes with these droids? How's this going to work? But like you said last week, we're going to get Republic Commandos. So we'll see how they uh, see yeah. how it goes out. Yeah. So uh, go ahead, though, Mike. Go ahead. Uh, WAC-47, part of the droid team, shows up late. The scatterbrain pit droid was mistakenly seeking out a Jedi storeroom, not the war room. Uh, he, fi- he files in alongside the other members of D-Squad, R2-D2, QT-KT, U-9-C-4, and M-5-BZ. Uh, all of these droids have worked alongside Jedi before and have proven themselves to be remarkable. And that's the one thing that I noted too, as well, is is that they picked these droids. I'm assuming because they work with Jedi, and maybe they have or they picked up yeah. something, you know, from the Jedi. Or, I don't know, but they made that a point. So these are the cream of the crop of the, I guess, the R2 unit. So, and of course, Stephen yeah. Stanton. Uh, he's been on our show before uh, as Colonel Mieber Gascon, and he did a fantastic job. It was hard to pick him out mm-hmm. after because I knew he said he was going to be in this arc. Uh, but after mm-hmm. you listen to Gascon, just for a little bit, you can kind of pick up uh, a little bit of Steven Stan, especially if you talk to him. Like I've talked to him quite a bit, so I mm-hmm. picked it up uh, pretty quick. Uh, Master Window hands over the briefing to the mission commander, Colonel Mieber Gascon, one of the top minds in strategic command. He has served the Republic since the Battle of Geonosis. He is also 33 centimeters tall. Gascon proceeds to outline the plan once aboard the Dreadnought D-Squad will make its way to C deck where the communications center is housed deal with any obstacles and remove the encryption module so again they're, they're highlighting the comedy and the you know the entrance of Colonel Mieber Gascon mm-hmm. and you know the the, the, the door opens and you're waiting to see the camera pans down and there's this little guy so uh, I thought that was, was kind of funny but we'll get into some of the some of the issues I had in just uh, in just a little bit uh, okay. <laughs> go ahead Mike uh, with no time to waste, Gascon marches the droids into a research and development lab. In the lab, Gascon introduces D-Squad to Dr. Is it Goobacher? Yeah. Or, yeah, Goobacher, a manic Parwan scientist who will equip each of the astromech droids with a tactical upgrade for the mission. Gascon coldly dismisses WAC-47, the pit droid won't need an upgrade, since he's just the shuttle pilot. Uh-huh. What do you want, Easy? It's me, you moron. What are you doing in there, Corporal? How many times do I have to tell you? It's Colonel. Nice setup. I want to know why I did not get an upgrade. Because you are just a pilot. Now do your job and pilot this ship. Just a pilot. We will see about that. So here's here's this uh, whack and and like I said he he's kind of the steals the show like we talked about earlier Mike but mm-hmm. let's talk about a couple other things real quick though Doctor Gubacher you just mentioned him that yes. he was a creepy sore wasn't he uh, <laughs> a little bit yeah he was he was kind of a Frankenstein mad scientist type thing yeah yeah I I feel like um, he was also a little bit of a Q. Right, like like from James Bond, because they're kind of they're spies, right? Like this is a it's a spy sort of episode where they're infiltrating oh, and going right. undercover. Right. So I felt like it, like they had kind of two ways that they could go with it. They made him a little bit of a mad scientist, but really uh, his explanations and stuff like that felt a lot like Q. He's just a 
uh, a crazy, insane cue. Right. So, uh, yeah, no, I like that, and I like that they that they use the the Parwan species, which we saw last season did, yeah. in the uh, in the bounty hunter right. uh, arc with uh, with Reiko Hardy. Yes. Uh, one, one of the well, you'll you'll no doubt recognize because they pretty much are an eye like a a, a head on a uh, tentacled body, right? So yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was cool. I, th- I thought that it's really interesting. I like that when you see the uh, the Republic Army, uh, that you see that it's made up of all the the members of the Republic, like every planet in the Republic, um, because it shows uh, where the the difference between the Republic Army and the uh, and the the Empire. Mm-hmm lies right because with the empire it's all humans uh or as far as we know they're humans right so near humans or or humans i but when it was the republic because the jedi were in there we had all sorts of species and then we've also got all of these other species that we're seeing in in the clone wars with uh with uh gascon who's actually his character design is based off of one of the initial designs for jar jar uh that was scrapped Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and, and bringing in, uh, uh, Goobacher as this Parwan scientist. I, I just think that's really cool that, that we get to see a little bit more of that stuff. We get to see these other, yeah other sides of it. That's right? a good point about the Q thing. Cause, cause they do, they, all these uh, droids, except for whack, mm-hmm. they get a special, uh, you know, a special thing added to them. You know, R2 gets the, his yeah. advanced rocket boosters. Uh, QT gets a, a remote controlled magnet coil and then uh, U9 he gets that laser cutter so uh, with quite the recoil I should say too which he finds out later <laughs> on but yeah the, the Q is a good mad scientist slash Q because he's outfitting these guys with special yeah. special powers uh, the droids load onto a captured and Neboidian shuttle in the Jedi Temple hangar the shuttle nears the Separatist fleet Colonel Gascon has a plan for approaching the dreadnought but WAC-47 proudly says he's taking care of it. He set the shuttle on a collision course with the warship. Gascon is outraged as the shuttle nears the dreadnought. It is snared in a tractor beam and dragged into the dreadnought's hangar. Battle droids board the shuttle, searching for any sign of life. They find only five droids. The battle droids round up D-Squad for interrogation and march them deeper into the ship. Now, I didn't really have a problem with this because, you know, the droids are going to be looking for humans. Um, the, I'm talking about the Separatist droids. They're going to be looking mm-hmm. for humans or anything like that on board. Uh, so they don't see that, and they just see a bunch of R2 units. So apparently the R2 units are just kind of like the... I'm trying to equate it to something that we'd have around here, just something that wouldn't you wouldn't even think twice about. So I didn't necessarily have a problem with... Uh, this particular section here and how them getting through and and but it's 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 just a little bit later when they get away and they do a couple other things and we'll get there mm-hmm. uh, go ahead though uh, R2D2 sorry am I in the right yeah, place yeah, yeah. Uh, R2D2 suddenly turns on the battle droid guard and zaps it with his electro prod QTKT zaps another droid WAC-47 jumps to a bra- jumps to brawl a battle droid knocking down the spindly soldier this was not according to Gascon's plan, but he rolls with it and orders D-Squad to continue to C-Deck. On C-Deck, Gascon orders C-4 to use his laser cutter to disrupt the main power line supplying the comm vault. 
The anxious little yellow droid neglects to anchor his feet before blasting and is tossed backwards with tremendous force. Aboard the Dreadnought's bridge, the commanding officer, super tactical droid Otto, registers a temporary power loss on C-Deck. But the power has been reestablished and the security system has been placed on manual override. Otto's curiosity is piqued by this anomaly. Uh, after fighting a shaken C4, or sorry, writing a shaken C4, the droids of D-Squad move on to the next assignment, distracting a pair of super battle droids, protecting the comm vault. WAC-47 confidently struts toward the two super battle droid guards, uh, sorry, super battle droids guarding the comm vault door, saying he has been ordered by General Grievous to test security procedures. WAC-47 has the super battle droids follow him to a closet, while the four astromechs slip inside the vault. Uh, I, I'm guessing that this is where the episode starts to fall apart a little bit. For yeah, you. a little bit. Yeah, you know, like like I said, I didn't have a problem with, um, you know, earlier when, you know, they go on board because they're looking for a bigger threat on board. Uh, yeah. But when they get here and it's uh, the super battle droids, um, it's like all he does is say follow me, and they're gonna follow him, and it's like there's no questioning. And and I understand that this is obviously where. You know, there's a big difference between a droid and a human officer or even a stormtrooper because they're smart enough and, and to question things. Mm -hmm. and, and But for super battle droids to just go and get locked in a closet, I was like, eh, I, don't, I don't know about that. But, hey, I guess whack. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a stretch, I think, that these battle, super battle droids would just follow him. And, uh, yeah. and go like the whole point of them being there is to guard it and they don't ask for authorization they don't ask for a code they don't ask for anything they just go oh okay it's on order of general grievous i guess yeah i guess it must be true yeah um and and i guess you can explain it away with saying well they're droids they're not very smart right but i uh, but how are we supposed to believe on one hand they're droids they're not very smart but these five droids that they've put together for D Squad are smart, right? right. Like yeah. you're sort of, you're sort of asking us to believe in this, in like two contradictory thoughts in the same episode, mm -hmm. which is is where I start to have a bit of an issue with it. And then, uh, and then Whack is obnoxious. So, right. how is it that Whack is smarter than these super battle droids? That that to me is the stretch. I really feel like they missed an opportunity with Whack. I, I think they, they went for the easy route and they just made him a silly character. Uh, when what they could have done is they could have made... And they, they could have done something really cool with it. They, Whack is a small droid, right? He's smaller than the astromech droids, being a pit droid. So, um, whether he's... He's small in stature, but has, you know, unique abilities or is programmed excessively well. And, you know, like he's a great pilot or something like whatever it is, if he's an engineer, whatever, right? Like it doesn't matter what the elements that, that make him great are just express that there are these elements that make him great. Don't express that he's kind of pathetic and stupid because mm -hmm. that's what they show, right? Like that, that's what you get from him when he shows up late because he went to the, the storeroom instead of the war room. Right. Yeah. And he jumps on a battle droid that's already been taken out. And uh, stuff like that happens. Uh, and you're like, well, I don't understand how this this 
droid is sort of becoming their leader, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But if they had made it that, like, he gets treated that way, regardless of the fact that he's actually a really well-put-together droid, and he's great at his job, and he saved a bunch of people in the Battle of Whatever, you could have that yeah, alongside the character of, of uh, Gascon... And, uh, and and have the two of them have this thing in common, but be at odds in the beginning and and grow together by the end of it. And and, uh, and, I mean, and then there's the stuff with Gascon, which we'll get to mm-hmm. when, when we get there, where I, I feel like that character was really oddly positioned in this episode as well and, uh, and does a couple of things that are kind of unforgivable and that I don't like the character because mm-hmm. of. Right, so uh, we'll, we'll get to yeah. that. Yeah, uh, and are pit droids even in, you know, the separatist regime or the CIS or anything like that? I don't remember ever seeing pit droids around. So, well, I don't yeah. remember ever seeing astromech droids. Right, we've seen a protocol droid, right. we've seen battle droids, and we've seen, uh, like, we've seen the the those, the ones that are on the battlefield cleaning things up and that sort of thing, uh-huh. like, and we've seen the tactical droids. Right. But no, we haven't ever seen pit droids. I, you know, I don't know. Have we seen pit droids in Clone Wars before, or is Whack the first pit droid that we've seen? I could have sworn we've seen pit droids before, but um, I, I feel like we have, but I can't really yeah, think can't of a time it. when we would. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, but then it, I mean, it's kind of odd also that Whack has a as has like a full vocoder yeah. box because. Yeah pit droids in episode one just squeak Squeak, each other right right? Mm -hmm. so i don't know it it, there were like i I can see where you might have issues with this story Mm -hmm. uh and i i do feel like there was a couple of things that they handled incorrectly yeah uh, or poorly but but we'll see we'll see how things go on i'm sure once we get to the republic commando part Everything will be okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, WAC 47 rejoins the rest of D Squad. Gascon has BZ open the fault door, but WAC 47's warnings come too late. The door socket is booby trapped. BZ is overloaded with volts of electricity and collapses. Gascon tumbles out of BZ's open head. He is livid. They are losing their chance to bypass manual security. WAC 47 is more focused on the loss of BZ, however. Gascon is determined to carry out, carry on with the mission. Somebody needs to access that dangerous panel, but Gascon won't volunteer, citing privilege as an officer. So yeah, this is exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. it's and it's it's a little bit unclear: is Gascon controlling BZ, or is he just sitting inside BZ's dome, and he's got like a little war room con- command center? Mm-hmm. Or, or does he actually have physical controls that he can control BZ and make BZ do what he wants? Well, in the beginning, the mad scientist, didn't he pull out yeah. his, uh, you know, like the brain unit or whatever? He pulls out his memory, memory yeah, yeah. like his memory core, yeah. um, which I assume is in the dome, right? Like that it's in the head right? Um, in mm-hmm. order to make room for the colonel's command center. So I uh, I don't know. It's just really unclear as to whether or not he's piloting BZ or he's just sort of in BZ and BZ still has everything else that makes him a, a self sufficient, you know, like autonomous droid, uh, or if if he's being controlled because I uh, 
Uh, I mean, I feel like BZ kind of did that of his own accord, but I also feel like Gascon had maybe a little bit... Maybe because his memory unit's not in there, it, it made him... Like, that's his personality, right? Like, their, their memory banks are where... That's why R2 has such a personality. Because his memory right. banks have never been... To our knowledge, they've never been wiped, right? Um, and uh, and it, there's actually... I, I think it's in the, um, the Dark Nest trilogy where the fact that his memory banks have never been wiped and that they're kind of full by that point, this is like post Yuuzhan Vong War before the, uh, the, the, um, uh, what's it? The legacy series, I guess, or the legacy of the Force series. Um, mm-hmm. so it's like this three book series in between those. And, and at that point he's seen so many things and he's been so many places that his memory banks are starting to get a little bit full and he gets confused all the time. So, uh, I, I don't know if it's the fact that, that like BZ's memory unit's been taken out. So his personality's not there anymore. He's essentially just a droid that does a job. Like he has all of the ability to, to do things, to, to, to open the door but he doesn't have the uh, the free will mm-hmm. to say no when when Gascon commands him. I feel like that's that's where it's at, and I think that they just need to explain it a little bit more in order for us to get it, if that's in fact what they were going for. Because the the droids are all kind of pissed off with Gascon, right? Because Gascon, WAC-47 at one point says, you killed him, right? Like, this is your fault. And and the rest of the droids are like, we're not gonna listen to, to to you because you know who are you? What what are you even here for? And then we find out, you know, he's not he's not much of a warrior, anyways. That's kind of when that's when I feel like R two takes charge a little bit and kind of moves them forward. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was weird. It was a little bit unclear. And then how are mm-hmm. we supposed to like this character when he gets BZ killed? Right. Yeah. We're supposed to be relating yeah. to these droids, and then and then he kills one, and he doesn't feel bad about it. He's like, whatever, it's not a big deal. Let's keep going. And it's like we know that some characters in Star Wars feel that way about droids. Um, Obi Wan's actually one of those characters that feels that way about droids. So I, uh, when that happens, I, I don't generally don't flinch, but I, but then you make it a character that we're supposed to be relating to and, and liking. And it's like, well, there's nothing likable about this Gascon guy. Yeah. And we're going to have to spend three more episodes with him, you know? So anyways, you can, you can continue now. Rant over. Uh, well, I, no, no, you know what? I have a issue with him too. And it's uh let me, uh, we'll play this last clip here as a wary sure. whack 47 begins, uh, asking about the Colonel's war record and learns much to Gascon's chagrin that the tiny officer is not much more than a map reader. Gascon blusters begin to falter. At WAC-47's pestering, Gascon admits that he has never been in battle before, switching focus back to the mission. WAC-47 demands that Gascon start treating the droids with a little more respect. Meanwhile, R2 quietly opens the door by himself. Any questions? Have you ever been in a battle before? No, I have not. But if you'd care to see what I'm made of, we can go to war right now, you and me, and probably get ourselves captured by a separatist. Or we can execute my plan and come out of this mission looking like heroes. The choice is yours, Cyclops. 
first of all. My name is Wack. Second of all, we will execute your plan. But you have to stop calling us stupid names, Shorty. Very well, Wack. I'll play nice, but only until one of you screws up again. So my here's like you were talking. Um, you know, here he is. He just kills a droid, and then uh, he has this attitude. You know, like Wack questions mm -hmm. his experience, and we find out he has no experience. You know, he's just a strategist. You know, he's a map reader. He he sits in a cozy little war room, and, and, th and you know, obviously he's a smart little character, but. Um, He's never been in the heat of the battle before, and, and he gets called out by WAC 47. And he has this attitude where he's just like, you know, do as I say and not as I do. Um, you know, I'm, I know, mm -hmm. I know what I'm talking about. Even though I've never been in battle, this is what you should think. So I can kind of get where you're coming from that he's kind of not really a likable character at this point. Yeah, and, and you get the idea, well, not the idea, but we just get straight out told that he's never been in battle before. And, uh, and and if you think about it, like you look at all of these other droids, obviously R2, we know he's seen battle. Uh, uh, QTKT is, uh, is um, Ayla Secura's droid. So we know that that one's seen battle. Yeah, right. I uh, the I think BZ is is uh, Terra Sunube's droid. because mm -hmm. um, he was in the beginning. I don't know if you saw it in the background. Yeah, Terra Sunube yeah. and uh, and and one other character that I'm not familiar with. Uh, another Jedi uh, is there, and uh, and so like these four battle droids. Sorry, these four astromech droids are all. Uh, they're all battle-hardened, yeah. essentially, yeah. with these Jedi, um, or at least wizened by the Jedi, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and even Wack. Wack is escorted in by uh, Commander Neo, who is one of the, like, uh, for as far as I know, is, is, a, is a pretty hardcore uh, commander, right? Like, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's one of the, uh, the elite characters that we see in Episode 3. Um, and his squad uh, is is pretty hardcore. So, if if Commander uh, uh, is it Neo or Neo, I, I would say Neo. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. if Commander Neo is recommending WAC forty seven as a pilot for this mission, I'd have to imagine that that Wack has seen his fair share, right? Like that that he's competent because here's the thing. We're talking about four astromech droids. Mm -hmm. They are pilots. Yeah. Like, yeah. we know from episode three that, that R4 flies the ship. Like, he flies Obi-Wan's Jedi Starfighter while Obi-Wan does other stuff. Like, Obi-Wan doesn't fly. Like, he's not, he's not a pilot. Anakin pilots his own Starfighter, but Obi-Wan doesn't pilot his Starfighter. His droid does it for him, and then he shoots the guns and takes over when he needs to you know like right. it's it's a that's what astromech droids are there for that's the whole point of them is that they're there to plot hyperspace coordinates and and uh and to to autopilot it's like in episode one when i when anakin gets in the uh the the naboo starfighter and it takes off and he and anakin's like the autopilot's on i don't know how to turn it off <laughs> And R2 kind of makes a whistle, and I'm like, uh, R2 is the autopilot, Anakin. Yeah. Like, 
it's it's really convenient that the second that Anakin's like, we're gonna get ourselves killed unless you give me control of the ship, that it just happens. And that's because R2 is like, okay, here, fly then. Like, if, if you're going to fly the ship, fly the ship. Right. Uh, but up until that point, R2 is the one controlling the ship. I mean, that's that's the point of an astromech droid. So if that's the case, you've got four astromech droids, and, but WAC-47's been brought in to fly the ship. Like, yeah. he must be a good pilot, and hopefully we'll see that. Yeah, but, I think we might next. You know, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think we might based on based on the preview for the next episode. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think you're on to something there. Go ahead, next paragraph. Uh, Gascon breaks down the final stage of their mission: infiltrate the vault, neutralize the swarm mines, little ball bearing sized droids packed with explosive charges, and secure the encryption module. It falls to QT to take care of the swarm mines. She launches her magna coil, which hovers through the core gathering the marble-like deterrence. She collects the swarm into her dome chamber, and D-Squad proceeds. The encryption module hovers in the heart of the inner core, within a beam of energy inside an elevated cryo chamber. So I think we're going to see these mines come back at some point, the fact that, that QT she takes them with her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we'll see them in, in one of the following episodes. Uh, there's There's... There's no reason that they would have done that. I thought if, she, uh, I thought she deployed him during this fight scene. Does she? I, I thought she did, if I remember right. Okay. I'd have to watch it Maybe. again. R two D two powers his upgraded booster rockets, but his flight is cut short when super tactical droid Otto arrives with blaster in hand. Backed by a super battle droids, Otto demands these intruders surrender. R two D two quickly improvises by shutting down the gravity control in the chamber. The droids begin to float around, uh, float about. R2 rockets away while C4 fires his laser cutter. The blast sends C4 spinning, and his out-of-control beam takes out several battle droids in the process. QT uses her magna coil to launch the swarm mines at the enemy droids. The mines detonate, sending the super battle droids scattering. So there's there's where it was, Mike. They actually yeah, okay. Them. Yeah. A funny scene too when R2 when Otto comes in, he says hey, arms up, and uh, R2's outer legs they kind of spin up, and he drops down. Because uh, he's yeah. on his booster, so a little, a little more levity there. And uh, once again, R2 comes up with a great plan to turn off the gravity. He's saving the day, you know. Um, yeah. Where's Gas going? Where's this big, you know, where's this great mind of his? Obviously, it's not uh, functioning yeah. correctly right now, but Otto's that. Yeah. But R2's there to, to, uh, to save the day for him. So, but I thought that was funny too, uh, seeing R2 put his arms up and. and yeah, mm-hmm. it was a little it was a little hectic and a little bit confusing, I think. Yeah. And and just by nature of the fact that you have a bunch of battle droids that look the same yeah. and a bunch of astromech droids that are pretty similar. And yeah, they're all different colors and stuff like that. But really the only two there's three unique characters in this scene and that's uh Gascon who's not really doing anything at the beginning of it. Uh Whack and and Otto. Um so it's kind of I, I don't know I found it confusing and obviously I didn't even notice the part with the mines so yeah I uh, yeah I but I I do like that that R two is the hero of the of the scenario I think if you're gonna equate it to to our other characters to Jedi counterparts I uh, R two is Anakin right he's he's not necessarily the leader but he is the hero right. Right? Like, he's the most heroic. He's the one that's going to get the job done. He's the one that's going to go in with his lightsaber blazing and, you know, and, and uh, do what needs to be done. Sometimes, 
leaping before looking, uh, which is consistent with the character from the original trilogy. Because if you remember when they're up in the uh, the uh, the Ewok net, and uh, and they're all trying to figure out how to get out of there, and R two is just whistling away while he uh, while he cuts the net, and three PO's like, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea, and then they fall. Right. Uh, so R two has a tendency to just kind of go like, you know what? I'm just gonna do this, and then I'll sort it out later. Uh, which I think is what they're like. It, it, that's consistent with the idea of like turn off the gravity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just turn off the gravity, and uh, and and you know like that's that's going to be the best opportunity for us to uh, to to take out these battle droids. Right? Yeah, so. exactly. I have a, my second issue is coming up after this next paragraph. Go ahead, Mike. R two D two tries to reach the encryption module, but he is grabbed by Otto. Gascon, seeing what is happening, leaps onto Otto, providing enough of a distraction to allow R2 to recover the module. WAC-47 reactivates the gravity, sending every droid except R2-D2 crashing to the floor. R2 cuts his rocket and comes landing hard onto Otto, knocking the super tactical droid out of the fight. Otto signals a ship-wide intruder alert. Gascon grabs the module from R2 and orders the droids to move out. Okay, so after watching this, I, I started thinking to myself, you know, and especially how we talked earlier, Mike, about how could this lead into, you know, the Revenge of the Sith opening scene there, the big the big battle. And I'm thinking, um, you know, I don't understand why this decoding chip is not more heavily guarded. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, he, they just have it on this dreadnought with, with not even like, I didn't see any assassin droids or anything like that. Any a couple of yeah. super battle droids and, and some regular droids, and I'm like, what? You know, why wouldn't it be more fortified? But sometimes I forget that, you know, the the separatists, they're they're all droids and and they all have these limitations and all that. But wow, mm. I just thought there would be a lot more a lot more guarding that chip, except for basically nothing, uh, <laughs> you know. And the only reason yeah. they were they were tipped off was because of what happened earlier with the droids. So. That was kind of like the second you'd, thing. You'd almost think that whoever's in charge of the separatists at the highest level wanted the decryption module to get snapped. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. So but you're right. Yeah, yeah that's true. I when the separatists, when you know, uh, both sides of this of this battle, we always have to remember yeah, that, right? I mean, that, uh, yeah. people. People say The Phantom Menace is a stupid title. The Phantom Menace is one of the most apt titles in the entire series. Right. Uh, and that's because Palpatine is controlling everything. So Palpatine probably told Grievous, or told Dooku to tell Grievous, you know, pull, like, you don't need resources on that on the decoding ship, put them over in this battle, right? And maybe not necessarily saying, leave the decoding ship, like this ship with the decoder completely unguarded, probably just saying take those those resources and allocate them over here, right to this battle mm-hmm. because this battle is the most important thing. When really what he's doing is he's trying to get everything in place so that I uh, so that he can be captured by the separatists but rescued by Anakin, right? Right. That's his, because we know that he's trying to pull these things off. The whole thing with uh, with the uh, the bounty hunters 
and Reiko Hardin was all being manipulated by Palpatine. Right. Right? So who knows? Maybe that's the excuse. That's my excuse. Well, th- that's some F. <laughs> that's F level canon, you guys. That's F yeah. level canon. Is that is that it's supposed to be like? That. Yeah, yeah. I think you just blew my mind, and and I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> I'm glad I asked that question because you know either you know they didn't mean to, and that's what you're just coming up with that, and that makes it a ton of sense right there, or yeah. they're just clever enough not to even. Uh, you know, I don't know. Kind of try to pull the wool over eyes because they got me on that one. If they did, but yeah, that's, that makes <laughs> a lot of sense, I guess. Uh, the astromechs won't leave BZ behind, however. Gascon agrees. QT and R2 carry BZ's inert form in the hope of repairing him aboard the shuttle. D Squad rolls out to the hangar. Dimwitted battle droids rush towards C deck, bypassing D Squad, not realizing the astromechs were the cause of all this trouble. Uh, the droids rush back to their shuttle and blast off, hastily departing the Dreadnought. Gascon praises the droids' performance as the ship launches into hyperspace. Who knows, Gascon says. You droids just might make decent soldiers after all. My first mission, a rousing success. And a brilliant plan, if I do say so myself. I agree, R2. The team's execution was not too shabby. Who knows? You droids might just make decent soldiers after all. Oh, and uh, you too, Whack. Yes, sir, Colonel. And, you know, there was another... Here's the third issue I had with this particular episode, but since you just blew my mind earlier, and I don't know how I didn't even think of that... Palpatine manipulating. How did I not think of that? Come on. <laughs> but another issue that I had, but was that why would this, you know, this giant dreadnought mm-hmm. let a ship that was a major, you know, it had a major intruder alert when they first brought it in by tractor beam. Yeah. You know, why would they just let this ship leave? You know, on its own and not question it or not stop it or anything like that. Yeah. But since the mind was blown earlier about Palpatine, you know, I guess you can say, well, that was just, they said, hey, you know, put a tracker on it or whatever, just let the thing go, yeah. you know, whatever. So that was the third issue I had. I don't know, but I think you'd be on maybe Yeah, on well, why why does the Millennium Falcon get away from right. the Death Star so easily, right? right? But I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's that, that uh, on this ship, that Otto was the, the logical mind that makes the calls and by that point he's done Mm -hmm. he's taken out and we know how battle droids are battle droids are idiots right they they require orders in order to do their jobs they're they're not going to make an executive decision like they just ignore these astromech droids rolling by them uh and let them get onto the ship right so so yeah, I don't know. I, I I do agree. Like I have a bit of an issue with it as well. It, it took me out of the episode a little bit, but I but really I, I think what we're supposed to to believe is that the battle droids are just dimwit, mm-hmm. right? And and there's no like Grievous isn't here and Dooku's not here, so we're just talking about battle droids and and maybe there's some other tactical battle droids 
um, or super because you have to remember he's not a tactical one; he's a super tactical battle droid, right? right. So he's one of the the elite ones, mm-hmm. um, which means that you're like I, I, just based on the on the character's movements and the way that it that that Otto talked, he was much more I uh, I don't self aware. Like he was more like a C three PO than than some of the previous tactical droids and definitely more so than any of the battle droids, right? Because battle droids are very, like, they're built for one thing. Uh, and that's to be killing machine cannon fodder, right? right? Like, that's their whole purpose. And so the fact that they can also carry out menial tasks on a star cruiser is a bonus, but I don't think that they're there to make executive decisions. That's the whole point of uh, a a, a clone can do that. Like, a, like if that were a clone ship and, and a bunch of battle droids tried to infiltrate a, a Republic cruiser, they wouldn't be able to do it, right? Like, if it was a bunch mm-hmm. of astromech droids, when they when they came in on a stolen Republic transport, yeah. <laughs> landed, and then all this stuff starts happening, clones and their commanders would be like, I... Yeah check all the logs of all of the incoming ships for the last 24 cycles or whatever and you know like oh well this ship landed a bunch of droids got off and then everything started going haywire (laughs) well logic dictates that it's those droids but with the battle droids they're built to not question right so i think that the idea is just that like Otto is like something's going on but and he investigates and then he gets taken out so being the only commanding body on that ship uh, which seems like a really bad idea on the part of of the separatists but like I said you know maybe Palpatine's pulling the strings here right Yeah. Uh, via Dooku or Grievous and and sort of leaving this wide open because just like like when the Millennium Falcon escapes or just like when uh, when they get the plans for the second Death Star, they get the plans for the second Death Star because the Emperor wanted them to get the plans for the second Death Star. Mm-hmm. It was all part of the plan, right? Like it was to draw them into the trap and spring the trap. So, I yeah. uh, this could very well be a similar situation where if this is particularly if this major offensive is. The, uh, the the attack on Coruscant, I think it's really important that we establish that the Jedi and the Republic know that it's coming. Mm-hmm. Because it's a massive battle, and their ships are supposed to be everywhere. And as far as we know, the whole point of this battle is to spread the Jedi thin mm-hmm. and to spread the army thin so that Palpatine can take over, right? That's the whole point. Right. So why would Palpatine... Like, why, why would... Like, like, Coruscant would pretty much be unprotected from a major offensive if the Separatists could get that close. But Palpatine needs Anakin to be able to get in and rescue him. Like, the Separatists can't get away with it. So it needs to be equal on both sides. Both sides need to know that a major offensive is about to happen over Coruscant. Mm. And this, this sounds to me like a plot to get that to happen. 
uh, and to, to make sense of all that. So I don't. We'll see. May, we could be way off base. Maybe this major offensive is on a completely different planet. Yeah. Right. Maybe it has something to do with something else entirely. Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe the major offensive is Dooku trying to track down Darth Maul, and take out Darth Maul. Right. Because maybe we'll see a three-way battle between Ma- the Mandalorians, like Dar- Darth Maul and his Death Watch. Right. Uh, the Separatists and the Republic. Maybe we'll see that at some point this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know. Well, if they're able to tie this particular episode back into uh, what happens in the events of uh, Episode Three, then I'll be like, okay, yeah, that was you guys. You yeah. guys got me on that one. That uh, it makes a lot more sense, and I wouldn't be as critical because it did have. It, it just wasn't that. I don't know. There wasn't really a lot going on for me, so. But you know, I did yeah. appreciate the levity of it, the, some of the comedy of it. Uh, I did like that, um, but it, nothing that uh, you know. I'm gonna throw in the DVD player and watch that one a couple times. Um, you know, much like I would do with a revival or something like that. Something yeah, I want to yeah, see yeah. again. So uh, we'll see what happens. Though uh, we got three more to go on this particular arc, so it's, we'll see how it it turns out. Let's uh, head on over yeah. to the mailbag, huh? Right. Wait a minute, play back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I saw part of the message. You... I seem to have found it. So the Facebook post of the week, Mike, is... Uh, see, this is why I love the Facebook group, is um, we get these these cool questions and we get to talk about some things. Uh, John Santa mm-hmm posted about is there anyone else hopeful that if john williams can't compose the score for episode seven it will be done by howard shore so here's i'm just on the i'm on the on the side of john williams is going to come back and he will be back and they got to get him back um and i'm not even thinking about anybody else but what do you think mike i mean if john williams can't do it what are they going to do are they going to go to kevin kiner are they going to bring in somebody like a howard shore who howard shore did um, was he the lord of the rings or was he uh, yeah he was lord of the rings, right rings. okay yeah okay I, I i don't i think howard shore is a long shot i don't think they they uh, that's even remotely who they'd go for mm-hmm. um howard shore is not particularly a household name right i uh, i think if you look at it I, uh, if you look at it, it, the logical choice for them to go with is Michael Giacchino. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's uh, he's doing everything right now. I mean, he just recently did he did Star Trek. He did uh, mm-hmm. uh, John Carter. Uh, let me bring up his IMDb. I thought he uh, did some TV as well. Or my yeah, he did Lost. He does yeah. the score for Fringe. Uh, yeah, he is uh, a, a like a, an incredibly talented uh, composer, and uh, his right. his stuff is just like I, in my opinion, he is the next John Williams. John Williams yeah. Because you just look like here, I'll give you here's everything that he's been working on recently: Star Trek Into Darkness, which comes out in 2013. Mm-hmm. He's done the score for that. Uh, the entire series of Fringe. He did Alcatraz, John Carter, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Uh, let's see, Fifty Fifty, which was a comedy that came out earlier this year. Uh, okay, he's doing it. He's doing it. There's no, there's no <laughs> uh, uh, question of it. If John Williams isn't doing it, Michael Giacchino is. Because yeah. right here, 
on his IMDb, Star Tours, The Adventures Continue. Ah. He did the score for Star Tours. Interesting. So there you go. Like, that's all you need to see. Yeah. That's that's it. Like, I... The, I at, the debate is over. <laughs> if they can't get Williams. I, I think they just got to get Williams yeah. back, though. Uh, yeah, well, it all it all depends on whether or not John Williams is willing to come back and do more. And, I mean, he's getting older as well, right? Yeah. He's probably getting pretty close to ready to retire. But, yeah. uh, like, let's see what has John Williams worked on recently. He'll be about 80 when this comes out. But yeah, I'm sure they would incorporate some of the older themes of the OT and stuff like that into it. But, gosh, I hope he comes back. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, he's this is really difficult. Because he is, uh, he's credited on a lot of things, but uh, a lot of the time he's actually credited. Like, he's credited on on the Clone Wars because a lot of the music is his, and it's just being adapted by Kevin Kine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's credited as a composer on the old republic uh but warhorse it looks like which was a steven spielberg movie was his last major thing uh, i says conductor uncredited mm-hmm. um and then let's see uh the adventures of tintin previous to that as conductor but not as composer hmm. so i uh, yeah i mean uh other than that there's a bit star tours the adventures continue uh, as composer of existing themes uh, so Harry Potter, there's some stuff, but he only did, I think, the first movie. Uh, and then somebody else took over for the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he's uh, John Williams is credited with a lot of things recently, but he's not actually... He wasn't the one who did the majority of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that his music is used so much. Right. Um, yeah, because I mean, War of the Worlds. He's conductor. Uh, maybe that means conductor and composer, because yeah. may- that just might be a, a, a sort of a semantic thing. Because Episode Three, he's credited as conductor. So, mm-hmm. and we know that he wrote that music. So yeah, so I would think that Warhorse uh, or or Tintin are his last couple things, and that, that those were both 2011, and uh, and he is yeah born in 1932. I mean that is a long time yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. I, he's he's earned the right to step down, and he's definitely produced enough music over the years to uh, to let somebody else come in and do the job. But I mean, Star Tours: The Adventures Continue. Uh, I've I've ridden it a few times, and I wouldn't say that I sat in there and I was like, "Well, this music isn't Star Wars music," and uh, and Michael Giacchino is the one who put that together. So. Mm. That's that that was my vote initially. That's what I said uh, on the Facebook post. But I uh, but yeah, I mean I'm sticking by it because there you go. Because a lot of Michael ties Hitchino, there. Yeah. yeah, he's already he's already writing Star Wars music yeah. for crumb's sake. Yeah. Come on, there you go. Get it together, guys. Williams. Howard Shore. <laughs> uh, Williams can't do it. Yeah, you you might be right, Mike. There's a lot of yeah. ties there, so. Would you want Howard Shore? I don't particularly feel like the uh, like the Lord of the Rings soundtrack stands on its own. Uh, uh, you know what? I I did. Lo- I, I like the music. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. I don't think it's on par with 
uh, some of the themes and stuff they did with Star yeah, Wars. Now, can, can you think? Can you think of anything? There's two themes that I can think of from Lord of the Rings, and it's I uh, we're walking, which is the one that's like da 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 da. Like it's mm-hmm. we're walking. How exciting is it that we're walking somewhere? <laughs> oh, yeah, I got you. Look, yeah. look at all these amazing helicopter shots of people walking. Um, which he had to put in there in order for people to to be excited, and then there's the uh, the Sauron like the the One Ring sort of has its own score, mm-hmm. similar to the way that the Force has its own score, right? right. Where it's sort of that that really creepy one uh, from uh, from the Two Towers, right. that sort of like anytime something creepy is happening, that's what comes up. That's it, and we're talking about three movies that are essentially six movies i if you've ever watched the extended cuts um and uh, and you can pick out two two things maybe maybe the 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 writers of rohan theme mm-hmm. but i can't i know that i know the writers of rohan theme and i know that i liked it but i couldn't tell you the two yeah, so for say. the life of me right now yeah. whereas give me any scene from six Star Wars movies, and I will tell you the score. <laughs> yeah. Like, I will hum you the score uh-huh. from that scene. And some of that music is some of my favorite music in the history of time. Right. Um, I don't think that Howard Shore is on that level. But the Star Trek theme was pretty impressive, and the, uh, the Lost theme is pretty good, and uh, John Carter has awesome music. Um, it's it's actually one of the things that I like the most about the movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's a cool post. Uh, yeah, like, like I said, I got my uh, vote in for Williams, but I think you may bring up some good points, and uh, the certainly yeah. the ties are there. So we'll see. Uh, you know what? We got to get to next week's episode. Uh, it can well. Speaking of Star Tours, uh-huh. right? Speaking of Star Tours, you've seen the preview for this next episode for a sunny day in the void. Yes. Uh, and uh, the the preview that I saw, at least, it looked an awful lot like they were flying through a meteor shower, a comet shower. Right. Uh, very familiar mm-hmm. comet, asteroid, meteor, comet shower, whatever it is. Uh, it looked exactly like the the uh, the meteor shower that you fly through on the original Star Tours, not on the new one, on the original. Oh, I see. Like yeah. those. The blue comets with the streaking trails. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, good point. I saw that and I was like, "That's cool. That's really cool that they threw that in there and that that's sort of a, an homage to Star Tours." Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's give you a little sample of what we're yeah, talking about. Let's listen. Oh, PZ, you are all better. Whack, what are you doing back here? Who is flying this shuttle? I have good news and bad news, Colonel. The bad news is scans are picking up giant ice formations commonly called comets heading straight for us. What? What in the world is the good news? At least you will have a good excuse if your mission is a failure. Go here. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, drop a 
There's your preview for next week's entitled The Sunny Day in the Void. Now, here's the thing. This was um, mentioned apparently at C6 uh, by Dave Filoni, and it's got some some kind of ties to the uh, comic artist Mobius, and I really don't know the name. I I've heard of that name before, but I'm not familiar with mm -hmm. any of his work or anything like that, so it must be a, a, a stylized way of uh, art that's going to find its way into this episode. Did you hear anything about C6 about this, Mike, or no? No, okay. no, I didn't really... Well, uh... Some kind of abstract uh, uh, I, stuff. I do I do recall something about Mobius being referenced uh, in, in one of the panels, but I don't think that we really got to see anything. Mm -hmm. I... Yeah, hey, we've seen a little bit of the planet that they end up on, and uh, but I don't really recall anything standing out. Yeah, that's uh, that's what was mentioned, uh, and like I said, I don't really know too much about them. But it looks like they're just picking yeah. up, you know, the, the, this episode we're talking about now. It, it finished with them escaping, and it looks like we're picking up uh, as they're traveling yeah. through space. So we'll see how it see how it goes. I don't know how with a ship full of astromech droids you end up plotting a course through a comet shower <laughs> yeah somebody's got to know the odds of that i would think where's when you need exactly them, right? yeah oh shoot that's gonna do it for this week though mike that is that's it for this week uh don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com on facebook at facebook.com slash clone wars podcast over on twitter at twitter.com slash clone wars and you can send all your comments, questions, and feedback to mail at clonewarspodcast.com. So that's, that's it. it. That uh, does it for us for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Yes. And we will see you guys next week on Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. See you next week. Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always.